Hello, and welcome to the Field Podcast. We're here in the Juniper Studio of the Field Collective. I'm Courtney Boyd Myers, and I will be interviewing Ramit Shala, the founder of Field, and Ryan Matzner, director of strategy. Guys, how's it going today? Great. How are you? Good. Did you get your Burning Man tickets? Yes. How many did you buy? Six so far. How much does a Burning Man ticket cost? It's like 400 bucks, but they're not all for us. It's also for our friends. We're just good at coordinating things that happen online. Right. It's been a big week for the internet, for startups. Probably the, the hottest thing that's happened in the past week is the, uh, the WhatsApp acquisition. I sold to Facebook for, for $19 billion. What do you guys think about that? Normal. I think a lot of people initially were blown away by this figure. It's $16 billion, $19 billion that have all been quoted in the media. kind of depends on how you calculate all of it. But at the end of the day, per user comes out the same as all the other acquisitions. Yeah, most of Facebook's acquisitions have been around $30 per user. Well, look, wait, hold on, go back up, back up. Because remember, so the first thing that we all said was, oh, oh my God, poor Instagram. Poor, like we <laughs> felt so bad, like, holy shit, Instagram, so sad. Kevin's system just... Yeah, like he's sitting there like, in the oh, why didn't I hold out? Why didn't I hold out? Which, which who knows, right? If he, did he- if he did hold out and his growth was larger than they expected, his appreciation in terms of value could have appreciated more than the equity he got in Facebook. Right. So still, like that argument still holds well, true. We're going to discuss that in a little bit more depth uh, in the next phase of the podcast. But in terms of getting back to the actual numbers, we, we kind of realized quickly that we don't really feel that bad for him, that he actually made out just as well as the WhatsApp guys on a per user, per active user yeah, dollar amount. Right, right. Just one eighteenth or one nineteenth the amount of right. active users. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we only got a billion. So yeah. let's break that down just for people that, that don't know. We have WhatsApp, nineteen billion, had four hundred and fifty million active users. So let's break that down, right? What are we thinking here? WhatsApp, nineteen billion dollars acquired by Facebook, four hundred and fifty million active users, which breaks down to about thirty five and a half dollars per user. Mm-hmm. Instagram, same thing, one billion, three to thirty million users, so it's thirty three dollars per active user. Right. The economy is better now. Facebook has a bigger capitalization, so they have more money to spend. So those users might actually be a little bit more valuable to them. Or maybe there's just a bit of a premium on having that large of a user base all at once. And strategically for Facebook, those are users in geographic areas where Facebook is a bit weaker. What's also interesting about it, it's basically saying, because previously it was like, oh, well, you know, U.S. users might be worth around $30 a user, but maybe not international users, because could you monetize them the same way? Or is that demographic worth as much, you know, on a CPM level or on any other like advertising metric level, right? But with this acquisition, basically set the bar as yes, all the international users, because all those of you said 450 million actives, those are not people in the US. Yes, some of them are in the US, but most of them are communicating with people abroad. So it's, it's saying basically all the people abroad are also worth $30 an active user. That's huge. That's a big statement. And how did the actual deal break down? Do you guys, I mean, it wasn't just cash, it was Facebook shares as well. I mean, what does that look like to a startup founder? I, yeah, the headlines are all about the total number, okay. um, regardless of the breakdown. There's some restri- restricted stock options and cash and some other components. I guess one of the cool things about this, we saw, so Fueled saw a big jump in inquiries from people wanting to do startups that, that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been thinking about building a tech company in light of a billion dollar sale from Instagram. So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen now that there's been a $19 billion exit. A lot of people come to us just with dollar signs in their eyes of like, oh, I could build a $19 billion startup. What's that? That's mediocre. The design sucks. Like I can crush that. 
the thing is with with WhatsApp, it's the it's the engagement. There was so many engaged users in that application sending photos. It's questionable. I mean, I don't know if the numbers are out, but like how many photos were set there versus how many photos were published on on Instagram, for example. Instagram's direct feature isn't. I don't think it's like a runaway success, right? And so now content's being shared. How a lot of it's being shared via WhatsApp. And that's an important, a super important metric. And again, when these acquisitions happen, it's Facebook taking a look at it and saying, okay, cool, where is online engagement happening? Where is any social activity? We want to own that, right? And where is it all happening? It's all happening on WhatsApp. We want to make sure we own that channel. So what do you say when someone comes in and says, ah, build us the next WhatsApp? Yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing is you, you never really know what the next app is. And a lot of times ideas at the beginning, they sound crazy. And that's part of a good idea is if it was that obvious, everyone would be doing it. There'd be too much competition and it would, and it the higher probability of not being successful. It's those ideas that just, there's a couple people, it seemingly looks like it's for a smaller market, but it fits that small market really well. And that market could grow really fast that those are the ideas so we we try and not just take too strong of a stance on an idea because who knows where like that could be the next platform that people are using you know like we thought messaging was done a couple of years ago you know it's like oh all these messaging apps we had that wave of you know group me fast society beluga like they had their exits and we were like oh okay cool and, and our mindset's like oh messaging it's it's mature now it's done obviously not the case it was really just a subtle pivot there, but there is a, in hindsight, there's a huge difference between that original class of messaging products and the new class. Those original ones started out with large non-smartphone user bases and the whole concept was just creating a good way to, a good experience around group messaging for both smartphone and non-smartphone users. And then this sort of second wave of messaging apps like WhatsApp and Line and others were all about one-to-one messaging as sort of an SMS replacement coming out of the idea of bringing BBM, which was a popular BlackBerry technology, to every phone that wasn't a BlackBerry. Yeah, but also I think WhatsApp was part of that initial wave too, right? Because they've been around while Beluga and all those companies were getting sold. Like they were still around. They were still building the user base. And really the story is build users or build something that a bunch of users are going to use, grow your active user base, and then sell for $30 a user. Mm. And thinking about BBM, maybe think about iMessage, right? Like there are, are arguments that technologies like iMessage could have obliterate a tech like WhatsApp or, or absolutely not. Not The whole world will not have iPhones. Where do you guys fall on that? So Ramin and I actually hardly ever use products like WhatsApp because our sphere of users are all on the iPhone. And so we just use iMessage. Right. But that's not true of large swaths of the population. Outside of urban centers, it's a pretty mixed bag in terms of platform. And in some places, it doesn't even come down to cross-platform compatibility. It comes down to money. People who are using SMS, they're sometimes paying five cents a message or, or other ridiculous fees per message. And so this is a way to use data, which might be free or much cheaper for them. Right. So let's talk a little bit about like the WhatsApp acquisition in relation to other popular acquisitions that have happened this year. We, we touched a lot on Instagram, but looking at like Tumblr, for example. So Tumblr, just $1.1 billion acquired by Yahoo, 34.2 million active users. Again, that $32 per user mark, which right. is quite interesting. Waze, $966 million acquired by Google, 50 million users. So a little bit cheaper, $19 per user. You know, thinking about other ones that are out there, you know, where does what you think WhatsApp is probably just right in the middle of that, that price makes sense? 
Yeah, I think the pricing makes sense. The only question is, are, are are the international users worth that much? And you know, what's interesting with Waze is it was a lot of international users, and it, and it sold for a little less. But if you look at the gamut of sales, like notable sales that have happened, the price range actually varies greatly. Yeah, you know, any, from anything from like six hundred dollars to like a couple cents. But those, I think, are all edge cases, and like where it's not being priced per user. Um, exactly, and the same thing as Waze wasn't priced on per user basis. I think it was a bigger balance in terms of the value on the technology. No, but how do you value the technology? Like, how do you put a, put a number on the technology? How would you do that? So and you own a company with some really cool tech, right? It's a worth. Five hundred million? Is it worth seven hundred? But like, million? look at look at the tech companies that Apple often buys. They're something in the in the low millions to kind of ten, twenty, thirty million. But a lot of them have zero active users. They might not have even released a product yet. And then at that so, point, talent plays a huge play in the acquisition, right? It's right. Yeah. So there's some acquire component, and then it's just the tech and what Apple will be able to do with that tech. No, it's what they could buy that tech for. So you right. mean like Surrey, for example? I'm just saying with the active users helps you get a billion dollar valuation. Right. Whereas the tech, it's like, well, you know, Apple's going to add that additional value. So with an acquisition, they want to make the they want to make the price of that technology go up because of the acquisition. That's the whole point. It's right. Like, Two companies come together, and the, and the sum of those two companies is worth more than an individual, right? Yeah. So Google being able to leverage Waze technology across Google Maps is yeah, but, but, why right. that was valuable I, to them, right? right. So, but were they, when they right. were looking no at it? no users, and they, if it was just the tech, it wouldn't have sold for that much. Really? I think with half as many users, if the data was still of relatively similar quality, let's say the data on Waze at, how many active users do they have? 50 million. Waze had 50 million active users. Let's say, in theory, that at 25 million active users, the amount of data gathered would have been equal, right? Like, there's a saturation point where you can only report so many accidents and so many traffic. So let's say the data gathering was the same. I think they would have still sold for the same billion dollars, just under a billion dollars. I don't think so. Because I think there's there's sort of a point of limiting, limited returns in terms of having more users to bring on. They're just moving that technology over to Google Maps. Right. But the whole point is, what, at what price can we, can we convince them to sell to us? I mean, yes, there's like a lower threshold where, where that matters. I think there's a lower threshold where it's like, yeah, maybe they wouldn't have sold under like 300 million or 400 million, depending on how much money they raise and what, they, okay. what their investors want and what, what multiple they wanted and all that other stuff. But I think once you get to a certain point where it's like a billion plus, a billion plus range, they have to use some metric to get to that. And I think like a large component of that metric is the number of active users. I might be wrong though. I wasn't there. I don't know. I think I think you're right. Active users definitely plays a role, but I don't think it that's I don't think it's the whole story in terms of the calculation. It's not just simple math of okay, well that many users times a certain dollar amount. I think there's just there's different slices of the pie. One of it's like what technology they bring to the table, what employees they bring to the table, what other what patents or or, or that's, they that's have the, the reason they buy it. But I'm I'm talking about just pure how how do they come up with a price? Well, no, but I think sometimes it's just a user. Just like there's there are acquisitions where it's literally an aqua hire, like the technology is being trashed and or, or just canned, and it's all about just the actual people being hired. Like when when Google and, and in that case. The metric that they use is, is the people and the dollar. value of the people. Yeah, which is like sometimes around a million dollars a head, right? An engineer, yeah. Yeah, per engineer. Um, like an example of that being Dodgeball when, when Google bought them. They just shut down the technology and they, they weren't buying the technology, they were buying engineers, it looks like. So there's different slices of that pie. So you're calculating, okay, some like a million dollars a head for all the engineers, and then maybe there's some patents that have value and 
Maybe there are examples where companies are buying just the users. They're like, yeah, this technology is trivial, but we can't get those active users. All we care about is the active users, and we're going to actually dump the technology and move them onto a new version that we code. Where, right? When but, have you seen that happen before? No, well, Beluga. Okay. Even, even, With Facebook bought Beluga, but like how much... How much of that was like for the users? But, but you're supporting what I'm saying versus. because at, at the end of the day, they use one thing to determine the price. In that case, they use active users. In other cases, they use... So it's not a blend of things. It's No, no, no. It's, it's a blend users. of things, but there's one primary thing that's driving the price. Right. But it's not always users is what we're saying. Oh, it's, I'm not saying it's always okay, users. I'm saying when it's above like 300 million or 500 million, it's typically the users. Yes. Absolutely agree. You know, if it's below 50 million, it's typically the employees. We're talking about dollars. Yeah, not users, right? Yes. So Blue is an example of a technology where they just like literally bought them for their well, users. They didn't. No, I think it was actually more of like an aqua hire type thing. Facebook had probably perfect overlap with Beluga's user base, so they weren't getting any new users, and they needed a messaging platform that was that worked well on iOS. This is back when the Facebook iOS app was heavily criticized as being subpar, and here was a really beautiful, high quality iOS messaging and chat experience, and that's the foundation of what is today Facebook messaging. So thinking about all of Yahoo's acquisitions over this past year, Tumblr, for example, I mean, that's not like a hard tech to really build. They clearly bought them for their users, right? Yeah. Out, out of the other ones, like Quickie and Red and Wander, why did Yahoo buy them? Team. Team. Acquires. Okay. Yeah. Yahoo's in this position where they need to scale up with high quality talent quickly. And the, if you can afford it, the easiest way to do that is acquires. Yeah, inorganic. Inorganic growth. You buy your growth. So when someone comes into you for like a strategy meeting and they're thinking, okay, you guys, I want to make $500 million and I want Google to buy me. They're just priming for an exit, regardless of how you feel about people that build their companies for exits. What kind of strategy do you give them? People actually don't. Surprisingly, like no one really... Million users really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Surprisingly, people don't come to us saying, oh, I want to make X amount of money. Although I do remember one particular client who said his definition for success was if upon exit, he would have enough money to resurrect the Concord program to fly back between London and New York. <laughs> and potentially die. And potentially die doing it. Well, they only tended to blow up on takeoff. But anyway. So you're not going to die because you're taking off? Yeah, but I mean... Well, no, that's unfair. <laughs> it was like a piece of scrap metal that fell off of one plane. It could have been any plane that had blown up. No, it was more than one. No, it wasn't. Sure. Yes. So if you're growing a company and you're thinking, okay, users, 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 prioritizing that over tech, I mean, is that is that a decision process people ever think about or make? Well, when people come to us, we really aggressively push them towards an MVP, right? We say, hey, you need to prove that this is a compelling product. So that in, in itself is a focus on users. Right. And, and that's, that is what we're doing. There's, we're not necessarily shying away from tech. What we're saying is we want to build right. something with some impact. But right. we're, we're also, in terms of hiring an agency or a dev shop to build something out for you, you're not hiring hardcore specialist engineers that are going to do, you know, like computer learning and AI or imaging, stuff like that. It's about leveraging kind of known technologies or existing technologies in really effective ways. I think the biggest value add or, or the kind of the biggest room to do something meaningful when you're working with a shop is in terms of a great UI and a great tool or utility that connects in a clever way to stuff rather than, oh, hey, let's hire Fueled and then Fueled will go and invent a way to use OCR technology in a dark restaurant to read a wine list and, and they'll spend years developing new OCR technology for us. Okay. That's not what a company like Fueled or, or our competitors would generally be doing. 
And so thinking about selling out, holding out, cashing out, we, we've seen a lot of these like talent hires lately. And I, I almost wonder if it's because, you know, they just didn't know what else to do with their company. And when a bigger company came along they they saw like a good exit and they didn't maybe see a lot of future growth well, um, on their own. Is, is that something you guys have seen in, in companies that kind of give up almost when they're sold as a, an acquire? 100%. So a lot of the companies that sell with an acquire, it's really interesting. If you talk to the people that are, are responsible for the acquisitions, they're looking for startups that are running out of capital. It's, it's like a, no, it's a recruiting strategy. Yeah, it's a recruiting strategy. It's like, hey, and it's a way you go up to the founder and you say, hey, you want to save face? I can say that you were acquired by X. Why don't we chat? You know? And it's like they probably only had cash to actually pay employees so maybe for another month or were already out of it. A friend's company that was acquired in the past six months actually hadn't been paying his employees a salary. And the idea was, listen, you're going to get back pay if this acquisition goes through. Yeah. Um, that was it. It was basically the company was effectively and, shut down. Yeah. Um, and then they had like an announcement on like said a big company purchases them for millions of dollars. And they're like, oh, happy day. And like, and it gets it posted everywhere. And like, it does. You save face, right? It's, instead of sending the message like, hey, you know, my app is shut down. It's like, hey, my app was acquired. I mean, I know Yahoo uses that. I know Jawbone does that. Yeah, there's a bunch of companies that kind of do acquisitions based on that. But that's a, that's a potential, that's sort of like a last resort exit strategy. Microsoft but does that. Work. That parachute, it's almost like a golden parachute for startups in a way. But that parachute is only available to companies that have a team that's worth buying. Yeah. Right. When somebody hires Fuel to build an app for them, and then that app you know, doesn't work out, there's nothing to sell. It's yeah, Fuel's yeah. team. You can't acquire the agency that built it by hiring, by buying that startup. Um, so that's, that's a real risk. And so there are fewer routes to acquisition if you don't have a team. But again, part of why people hire us is to build an initial product and help them ramp up to the point where they will have a team. Yeah, we kind of help augment them with their initial team so they can say, when they do hire someone, like, here's a product, here are the users, here's a press we got, join the team. It's easier to recruit someone onto an active project than to recruit them onto an idea. Right. So now thinking about on the flip side, you're a founder of a company and you're offered $3 billion by Facebook, $4 billion by Google, your Snapchat, you hold out. Everyone was like, oh my God, I can't believe they didn't take that. And then now we're looking at this $19 million acquisition. I mean, when do found, like when you talk to founders and you know they're ready to sell, like what, when do you tell them to actually keep going and hold out and not and not go for that big yeah. payday? So it's tricky, right? As a founder, sometimes you believe your product's going to be the next big thing, right? You're drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, you're, but you almost have to be drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, to be you, you have to. You have to drink the Kool Aid to be successful. It only totally makes sense. You're making the Kool Aid, so obviously you're going to you're going to drink it too, right? But you know, sometimes it's it's important to take a step back and say, okay, cool. Is my growth is it, is it peaking? You know, if it's peaking, it's like, okay, cool, cool. Maybe it's a time to sell because after that, we know the next step is, is a decline, right? And we know that, you know, when users are on um, an app or, or using something, it's, uh, it's only for a certain amount of time. And then like, there is going to be something new that just takes their attention away. And right. Remember that earlier point we mentioned about how the, the idea with an acquisition is that the acquiring company will be able to leverage that product to make it more successful than it otherwise would be on its own. And so the idea is to, you want to sell kind of at the top and, and there should be some formulas and modeling that you can do to figure that out of, okay, here's where we'll have our peak in terms of what we can do on our own. And that's when you kind of want to sell. But then there's also other factors to take into account, just like, you know, how the economy is doing or how potential of the cash situation at potential acquisition companies that would be acquiring you. It's always um, risky. Like when Facebook went public, suddenly they had a 
ton more cash they can use to be buying companies. So, but yeah, so there is that risk involved. What was the number of active users on Snapchat when they received the, was it 3.4 billion offer? 30 million. 30 million actives, right? So they're three times Instagram's value. So that's like, what, $90 a user, roughly, per active user. So that's... That's Alice and Sean. Wait, no, 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 hold on. I, let's I, get this right. Let's I'm say those sure. numbers are accurate. No, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm pretty sure they had more. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they were around 100, not 100 million, like, well, like 60 million or so. It was, it, was, it was higher. So there was a premium on those users. I don't think there was a premium on them. I think, I thought it was priced in the 30s. Snapchat has 60 million installs and 30 million active users. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Okay, so it is So bad. all those numbers are based on active users, not yeah. on installs. Actives, right? Yeah. So then there was a premium. Huge premium. That was right, 90. so that's that's ninety. That's roughly ninety bucks a head. Oh yeah, I would I would sell. So when someone offers you that irrational premium, is a lot more tempting to sell. You almost should take it. The question is, if you truly believe, or you have some information that leads you to believe that you're going to blow past that. Yeah, if you're going to grow three times what you have now, right? With, with <laughs> a high level of certainty. Yeah, which crazy. which is hard to have. Exactly. Totally. I thought he had sixty million actives. Which would make it still a good deal. Yeah. Would still make a good deal. <laughs> for Snapchat. Right, for Snapchat. There's a finite number of chat utilities that can be popular and have user bases all at once. So that's that's another factor. I think we're going to talk about how that was a bad decision. A, a, a like, lot of... In, in, retro, in, in hindsight, in, in a year or two years, yeah. we'll look back and say, yeah, it's too bad you didn't take that offer. Right. I, yeah, people are already saying that. Yeah, right? no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but people always already say it. When, like, when there's a high number and you say no. Just be dogged by it until the next. Yeah, they, they, always, they always say, oh, I can't believe you didn't take it. So much money, right? And then later it's like, oh, well, look what they built. You know, it's, and you forget that someone offered them a small amount. They made the right decision to not sell. You know, like, like how much was, was Facebook offered back in the day by Yahoo or something, right? It was like. And they, Microsoft. And, yeah, yeah and they, they said no. And everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. And all. They always say that, but I think this one is going to stay true. So that's a good point. I mean, what about WhatsApp? What would have prevented them from being a $100 billion company or going public? They could have gone public, right? But what would the market capitalization on that be? Would it be much more than $19 billion? Would it be less than $19 billion? Okay, so the first question. What What's would- the market cap per user? That's an interesting number. So Facebook's market cap is 170 billion or 80 billion, and and they have 1.2, 1.3 billion actives. 130 bucks per user. Yeah. So that's, that's your that's Facebook. That's Facebook's market cap per user, per right? User, but they have revenue. They have revenue, and they have a huge range of services, and they've already shown that there's an advertising model and stuff yeah. like that. So WhatsApp, all they've got is their dollar a year per user model, right. um, which is much lower per user revenue than Facebook. So who knows what their, I mean, how would we calculate their market cap per user? Depending on what we used for evaluation. But how? Because some people use a traditional valuation method, which is... <laughs> which would have put them at nothing. Yeah, would put them at like, I mean, would put them at, what was their revenue? What's that? Yeah. So if they have 450 million active, a dollar a year. Yeah, so right there. And then operations cost maybe like, let's say it's 50, so 400 in, in cash. The multiple on that might be ten, so four. Yeah, and this is this is max. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like theoretical market cap. If they were on their own, if they were on their own, four billion dollars in terms of if you value them in a traditional way, right, with a fairly high multiple. (laughs) Well, fairly high because ten ten's fine. It's not not crazy. Some people trade at like sixteen or twenty. And, and I mean, in that sector, it's not odd to trade at 16 or 20. Right. 
so what's your conclusion from that? That it made sense as an acquisition that they sh- that they did well by selling. I think Facebook trades at a hundred times right. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, but, but that's an exception. Well, they, I mean, but there's a but there's a reason for that. They would never have reasonably reasonably been able to get a hundred times earnings. They're yeah, I mean, for in, in comparison, you know, Apple trades at like twelve times earnings, which and I and I, I assumed you know ten for this conversation, but you know maybe you could say twenty. Uh, in which case, their valuation would have been eight in the public markets. Okay, and if it was a hundred, if it's a hundred, if it's 40, at, 40 billion, right? So what's that? Market cap was trading. They the trade the same as Facebook's, right? The same times revenue as Facebook's. Yeah, it'd be worth forty billion dollars. But wow, doubled their money. No, no, but, no, but they are. Time. They are doubling their money because now Facebook's buying them, and that same revenue could. Be, I mean, if if the PE stays right. the same, not that the PE is driven by actual earnings, it's driven by other forces. In their case, because if it was driven by earnings, it would be in the <laughs> between ten and twenty, right? And it's not. It's like these other calculations people are doing. Theoretically, Facebook is adding you know twenty billion in value at this, which is a really bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, they're theoretically adding forty. Right. No, you know, uh, well, they're, they're adding an additional 20 because they're spending 20. On oh, sorry. Money. Okay, yeah. So yeah. they are adding 40, but it's costing them 20. Yeah. Right. Either way. Fun stuff. Congrats to the WhatsApp team. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hats off. <laughs> okay. I mean, hats off for having 450 million active users. That's, that's exactly. The big, that's the big thing. And how many employees do they have? 50. 50 employees? Yeah, so WhatsApp sold. No, I think it's less than. I, th- I really think it's less. So than for fifty or less employees, no, no, because I think it was like a, it was like one point something billion dollars. Fifty-five. Oh shit! Never mind. Fifty-five. So <laughs> so WhatsApp had fifty-five employees. So they had four hundred fifty million users for fifty-five employees. Yeah, it's it's more so like, it's like what, what the price they sold for. Nearly employee. ten million users per employee as well. That's yeah. kind of insane. Many of the employees are now millionaires. That's that's a to be sure. Yeah. How many active users do they have per employee? Probably a relatively sad number. All right. Thanks so much for joining, Ramit and Ryan. We'll hear.